Welcome to At Home with Kelly and Tiffany, where naturally-minded women gather together as we pursue simplicity and confidence in health alternatives so we can show up better in our busy lives and feel more at home in our bodies. Join your favorite home birth midwife duo for conversation, candor, and community. You're at home with Kelly and Tiffany. I'm Kelly. And I'm Tiffany, and today we are sharing the most disgusting birth stories that we can remember. Are you excited, listener? For sure, I'm blocking some out. I spent an entire week trying to... I know that there's more disgusting things that have happened than what I'm going to share today. Mm -hmm. And I think it's better that some of it just gets left in the recesses of my brain. I was thinking the same because you were like, okay, come up with like, you know, try to remember a few. And a few of them that I remembered, I was like, oh my gosh, I actually hadn't thought of that in so long. But then it made me think about like out of hundreds of births, I am certain that other gross stuff has happened because birth, just generally speaking, usually involves lots of fluids and, you know, physiological things that happen in the body. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that it doesn't bother us. No. So that's what I was thinking. Too. I was like, oh, this story is not that gross. But then I was like, actually, somebody listening would probably think that's weird that I don't think it's like most disgusting things are happening. So I'm a little bit afraid that the things that are that we think are gross are going to potentially be crossing the line for some people. So you just regulate your own self, adult woman into if should you listen to this episode should you give yourself permission to turn it off if you need to sure should you stop and listen to it when you're not in the first trimester yes yes (laughs) you decide (laughs) you decide how that goes Mm -hmm. okay but before we jump in we have a review oh yeah super sweet review this is by abby bf do you think that means like best friend or breastfeeding or blue fish? Yeah. Blue fish. All of those. Thanks I think she couldn't decide on all three of those. So she just decided to use the initials so she could have them all. Perfect. A best friend breastfeeder. This is what Abby says. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> The Best Women's Health Podcast. Mm-hmm. Abby gave five stars, so you know we'll buy her a drink. Yeah, we will. And she tells us that we that she heard us read her review. This is what she says. Kelly and Tiffany are a wealth of knowledge, and I look forward to their podcast every Monday. Not only do they provide valuable information that I wish every woman could hear, but they do so with such joy and excitement. They teach me something and make me laugh every week. Thank you both for everything you do. Oh, that's an encouragement to what we are doing here. And you're welcome. What can I say? That that you have come to the right place. Mm -hmm. Your expectations are aligned with what we can provide. And that really is the heart of why we started this. So I love that we checked lots of boxes. Okay, so this week is Thanksgiving week. I checked the calendar before we recorded this one as opposed to last time when I had no idea what day it was. This is That's the sign of the times. It's a confusing time of year. I'm really embracing the seasonal rhythm of doing less. Great. 
keeping track of less on my calendar, uh, keeping track of less on the podcast calendar. Great. But Thanksgiving week is kind of the loaded piece for most of us because there's expectations, there's family, there's the concept of like having time off work in school and hanging out and having fun. But you may or may not have chosen the way that that would be done. That may have been chosen for you. And you you have chosen to continue to participate in that. But family and food and, you know, a lot of those pieces may be out of your control this week. Yeah, it doesn't always feel very good. It doesn't always feel the most empowering. And you may be somebody who's listening who's like, that is not my story. Everything's great here. But mostly want to say to the people who this week is hard for, for whatever reason, at the very least, we can trust you are not going to have to fish another adult's poop out of a bathtub like we do at many birds. And if you do, if that is a part of your Thanksgiving week, We'll buy you a drink without you having to leave a review. That is our gift to you this holiday season. Okay, so I can only count two times ever in the past 10 years of attending birth that I have ever come home from a birth and not showered before I've gone to bed. It is like a ritual that I will not pass on. No matter how long I've been awake, no matter how well I washed my arms, no matter what actually happened at the birth, mm-hmm. it doesn't even have to be disgusting. But I just know for sure I do not want to get in my bed from where I came from. That started for me very early on going to hospital births and coming home and my husband being like, well, your shoes need to stay outside. You can't bring like your hospital shoes inside our house. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course. So and those like stayed in the garage. And then, you know, I would come in and then be like, yeah, but like this, my clothes were all over the stuff that I don't know when the last time that was clean, you know, all of the things. And over the years, the more involved gotten birth work, the more showers are generally speaking necessary. But even afterwards, no matter what, even if it's a short, like beautiful, straightforward thing, I sweat always. <laughs> At a birth. It's just what my hormones and my whole, you know, nervous system are doing. And so I just need a reset when I come home. Do you ever see pictures of midwives at births in their street clothes? Mm-hmm. And you're like, is that how? How are you doing that? Yeah, I mean, if they're like running to the birth, but I always am like, are you not are you not ever gonna change? Like, I don't know, maybe it was just like a quick photo, but then I'm like, no, this is postpartum. That's just what you're doing. To each their own, I suppose. Yeah, if you don't mind stuff happening to your straight clothes, then it might be fine. I don't want my jeans to go through things that my scrums go through. Nope. I don't even want them next to each other in my drawer. Nope. Okay, so a lot of people who consider home birth are very concerned about the messiness and how that all gets contained because if you have a hospital birth you know there's giant bags and chucks and there's so many things that and you don't care if you get a hospital room dirty and disgusting because that's what it's there for so when you see how birth is managed in a hospital where there's just like 
stuff happening constantly. And then you imagine that at home, like in your living room or in on your bed or something like that. The concept is like, absolutely not. I don't want it to be a massacre in here. But I think that most, despite what we're going to share here in this episode, most families can be rest assured that we contain the mess so, 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 so well. It's actually, and this might upset people too, I would I would venture to say that it is 80% of the job that we do at births is keep things tidy and clean. Yeah. I mean, honestly, there's plenty of births where I feel like I'm literally just here to clean up afterward, no matter how long I was there beforehand, right? Like, that's just what it kind of feels like. And that's, that is a good thing. That means that was like a very straightforward birth situation and the family is getting the type of support that they need because they're not going to want to clean up after what has happened or during what is going on for sure. But that is a really common question that we get of like, what about the mess? What do we do about that? And so usually when when we go to births together, one of us is a bit more, I mean, we're both clinically minded at the moment, but in terms of roles as things are going smoothly is one's a bit more on top of clinical pieces and the other is a bit more on top of those types of birth fairy kind of things where you're just like flittering around and making sure everything is like, how it should be. And so that's a really good rhythm that we have to make sure that everybody is taken care of in the way that they need to be. Yep. And we provide and ask for a lot of supplies that all center around containing the mess. And some of those are chucks pads, paper towel, gauze, gloves, trash bags, alcohol, tarps, painter's plastic, Ziploc bags, blankets, towels, sanitary pads, barf bowls, fishnets, you name it. And we have asked for it to be gathered or we have brought it ourselves so that we can manage any type of mess that comes. Yeah, for sure. And we we clean up everything. So we we really want to leave the home as if nothing happened there except for this like miraculous situation that there's a baby right like nothing has changed everything is clean sometimes we leave it cleaner than we found it as we're spending time in the kitchen or something and helping out with dishes or something like that but we clean up the birth space we clean up and sanitize the birth tub we're taking out the trash we're doing a load of laundry before we leave we want it to feel like your home is a comfortable place to be so that's a that's a huge goal of ours yeah. And in continuing to manage it throughout the labor. So not just letting a big mess happen and then we'll deal with it later. It's like we are constantly keeping things tidy so that women can be comfortable in their space. Uh-huh. Okay. And so what we're talking about here, the messiness part is basically body fluid. It is the normal amount of blood the normal amount of amniotic fluid, the normal amount of mucus and vernix and vomit and urine and feces. These are normal things, normal body fluids happening at birth. And the reason that it is okay for us to interact with these things is because, number one, we've got labs on all of our clients for the most part that protects us from knowing if they carry any serious bloodborne pathogen. We also use universal precautions. So just because we're in your home, just because we have labs on you, it doesn't mean that 
we're not going to treat you and your body fluids as if they could harm us or vice versa, right? But also we're in clients' homes. It's a relatively clean place. It is one one slice of biotic environment and we serve one client at a time. So we're not going back and forth in between different rooms, different parts of a hospital or from birth to birth where we're potentially carrying some of these fluids on us into other settings. Yeah, there's been a couple times where I've needed to like go, you know, see another client or something after a birth or needed to hop into the clinic to continue other, you know, appointments or whatever. And I'm always like, there's no, there's no way. Cause I have been to births for sure where all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I thought I thought I cleaned that part of my body or I thought I got that out or whatever. So for sure we recognize we're in your home. All of your germs are, you know, they're your germs. At least they're, at least they're yours. They're not somebody else's in a hospital, right? And that we've been exposed to a lot of your stuff already. But yes, we do take uh, thoughtful care to take care of other people in our lives also as we go about this job. So there's a lot to think about. It's not just, oh, baby's being born and isn't that wonderful? There's, which it is, there's a lot behind the scenes that goes on in our brains as we're assessing what we are managing. Yeah. So I would say when we arrive at, at our client's home, we generally take our shoes off because number one, most people just want visitors to have their shoes off in their house. But number two, we're that's what we're going to be the most comfortable in and we're potentially there for hours and in all kinds of strange positions. And, you know, the last birth we were at, I had to walk over the bed several times to get to one side of the room to the other. So it's just better to have your shoes off. But I do not recommend being barefoot at a birth because you will inevitably step in something and there's a comfort to having socks on. And I don't know what it is, but you just got to wear socks at birth. There's just a layer between what could be stepped in and your foot. I have extra socks in my birth bag just in case. I have stepped, you know, sometimes you have to take your socks off, right? You step in something and you got to take them off. But I definitely have extra pets for sure. And, you know, as I was talking about going, you know, making sure that your body is all clean and being like, I thought I cleaned that. I'm just reminded of a time where I came home and had meconium, which is like the baby's first poop, behind my ears. And I'm like, how in the world would that have ever gotten there but that is like a hot tip to like just check what you can see of your body before you leave because if you can catch anything like that I don't know if I would have caught really but I just was not paying attention my hair was up I probably could have seen it but I came home and I was like what is that gross yeah you probably put your hair behind your ears with a dirty glove yeah good for us disgusting good for us yeah and then I would say like my forearms Mm -hmm. I is where I miss. So I'll wash before I leave like a client's house. I'll wash the front because you just can't. There's just no possible way to cover your entire body with latex or something or, well, you know, it's not practical. But I always have to remind myself to wash on the backs of my arms where my forearms are because you don't see that a spot but that touches a lot of things. It definitely does. And sometimes it touches your laptop too or... Like when you're getting your phone in and out. Mm, sorry. And so be sneaky. Yeah. And you just got to, we, we're in the habit of checking everything 
cleaning everything, wiping down all of our devices and everything. Because even if you can't see it, we just assume that it's there. It's a wonderful way to live, let me tell you. But I feel like even though we talk about some of these things, I feel like we're we're generally speaking, like it doesn't, that kind of stuff doesn't necessarily gross me out. It's mostly just wanting to make sure cleanliness factor of things. Because we're pretty accustomed to bodily fluid. We're pretty accustomed to mucus and blood and poop happening and breast milk going, you know, all of those pieces. So we're not really, I wouldn't say like we're grossed out by them, but sometimes gross things happen involving them. Yeah. And like we have clients sometimes that feel very self-conscious, like, I'm so sorry that I'm throwing up all over the place. I'm so sorry that I'm pooping in the tub. I'm so sorry, you know, and we're just like, why? Why are you sorry? Yeah, you're having a baby. Are you doing this to us on purpose? No. If you were pooping at me, I would be very upset with you. But I'm going to go ahead and assume the best that you're just having a baby. Okay, so that leads me into my very first story, being pooped. (laughs) Aggressively pooped at. Okay, so poop is easily the grossest thing at a birth, but we handle it almost every single time. If there isn't poop involved of some kind, it's like, um, that would be abnormal. Mm -hmm. And so one of the births that I was at as a doula, this was a second time mom and the birth was progressing quickly. And I was really excited to serve this particular family because of just a couple things that like was, were a part of their story that I, I, you know, you just get births like that where you're like, oh, I just want to experience that. Yeah. So I was so excited. Oh, and one of the pieces was that they had a doctor that I really liked working with. And so I was excited about that part, too. And we got to the hospital and things were progressing quickly. And we always let people know once they once they learn or once they voice their fear for pooping and labor and how normal that is, inevitably moms are like, is there anything I can do to avoid that? Like, can you actually like not poop during labor should I like clean myself out when in early labor should I give myself an enema etc and we're like no that's no please don't do that but we always tell moms don't worry it's just a little bit of poop it's just what is naturally going to be compressed by your baby's head coming down and just like a like a tube of toothpaste like an empty tube of toothpaste a little bit of bowel movement is going to come out with your baby. And that's actually good. That means that things are progressing and we'll clean it up and we'll swipe it away. And you might not even know if you pooped or not because we're going to clean it up so fast. So constantly assuring women, don't worry. It's not an entire bowel. However, this particular birth was an entire bowel movement on the bed, on the hospital bed. And without warning, and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I think I'm, I think I'm pooping right now. And I'm like, what's up? I'll get it. And so I like put some gloves on and get a little like wipey because I'm just going to get a tiny little piece of poop off of her rectum. And, and I open up the blanket and it is, and it is an entire <laughs> bowel movement in the bed with her. She had to get up. We had to change the sheets. So she knew that she, she I don't think she realized it at the time. Okay. I don't think she had the sensation of like, I'm having a, an entire poop <laughs> in my bed right now. But it wasn't at the same time her baby was coming. 
that's the confusing part. <laughs> there was a contraction that just gave a mm. lot of rectal pressure and she pooped in the, she had an entire <laughs> bowel movement in the bed and we cleaned it up. So I do still tell women, don't worry, that's probably <laughs> not going to happen to you. But it has never happened since then. And I am comforted. Usually doesn't happen. But if it's you, that's not great. That's not great. I'm glad that she didn't really realize it. Because that can go a couple different ways. I've had moms who have realized like how much they've pooped or are sitting in the tub and there's a bit more than they anticipated. It's not an entire poop, certainly. But, you know, and been like, I'm very aware of what is around me right now. And so. I'd rather not be. No. I'd rather be focused on working with my body to have my baby right now. 100%. I feel like I would have more disgusting, like, or just gross birth stories around poop. My, I have a poop story, though, and it's not necessarily, for some it may be gross. For me, it's, like, funny looking back on it, but in the moment, I was like, what is going on? And you will remember when I start talking about this, I was, I forget if I had taken my, I think I had socks. I could be wrong about that, though, at this point in her labor. But I, mom was sitting on the toilet feeling a ton of pressure. This is her third baby. It sounds like things are moving very quickly. So I'm trying to get her from the toilet to where she wants to birth in her bathtub. So I'm walking behind her, bringing her to the... to the, <laughs> And as she's getting in, I, you know, am dutifully following her. And I step in something that looks to me... Like, I I don't even know. I thought at first it was like a toy. It was dark. So I thought it was like a toy or something. But I'm like, why is that soft? So I took my foot up and I start shaking it to be like, gosh, why? what is this thing that stuck to my foot? And it turns out that I have a piece of her poop stuck to my foot that I am trying to jiggle off. Yes, I did have socks because that's how I got it off. I had to take the sock off. And I think I ended up just throwing it away because I was like, what am I supposed to do with this, like, poop sock? <laughs> and it's gross that I step in somebody else's poop, but I think it was foot shaking that really brought it. And then if it actually shook off, which it didn't, I would have been flinging poop around. So it's one of my favorite poop stories. And your reaction to it right now is one of my favorite things, too, because you're having a hard time keeping it together. <laughs> it's something with corners that ever happens. Because everything about the birth was so peaceful and sweet and everyone was just in sync with the the mood and it was just all good and lovely. And then and then it just progressed kind of quickly and we're all excited and Kelly's just so dutifully trying to get her into the tub. And she just had a piece of poop on her bottom that came, that wiggled free as she was getting in the tub. And poor Kelly stepped in it. And then if she didn't notice it, I mean, that'd be gross because then you'd be spreading poop all over the bathroom. But you did notice it in and the, and the shaking off, trying to shake it off. I remember because it's so dark in there. I remember being like, why are you shaking your Oh, you have something on your foot. Oh, stop shaking. Stop shaking. <laughs> she was mortified. She did. She realized what I was trying to do and realized what had happened and goes like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then starts, you know, continuing on her labor. But that was a good one. Oh, my heavens. <laughs> my gosh. And then it was like, of course, we had to tell her it was not a big deal. But 
but I'm talking about it on a podcast. It made an impression. It did. It made a serious impression. It did. Okay, so one time when I was a student, I was the primary, so I was in charge, even though I wasn't licensed yet, and I had my preceptor there and another student there, and so I had my hands on the birth itself, and this client had a shoulder dystocia, and I needed to resolve it with my hands, and so those types of shoulder dystocias, I mean, there's all different kinds of shoulder dystocias, but most shoulder dystocias that need some kind of intervention like that. They're probably the messiest births that I have ever been to because no one is paying attention to keeping things clean anymore. We're just in emergency response mode. And I don't care what is getting on what. We are just going to move forward with the clinical tools that we need. So I did. I was able to free the baby in beautiful amount of time and everything resolved really well and easily from there. But because of the circumstance of that and how close I was and how much hands-on I needed to be for, you know, many minutes there, I could not even get in my car after that birth because I had so much blood and poop and amniotic fluid and everything all over me that I had to get completely naked outside my car before I got in my car and I drove home with like like a reusable bag covering my breast so that I could get home without you know flashing people on the freeway but I remember just and I was about to get in my car and the other student was like oh don't sit down and then I find that was the first time that I actually looked to see what was happening. And there was just there was no part that was. Un- and I was like, I have to get I have to take all my. And I can't go in and be like, can I borrow some clothes? Because you made a huge mess all over me. Yeah, Just going to deal with it and go well, home. And I don't remember how I, I think I had to call someone at my house to bring me a towel so I could actually get into my house. <laughs> because I didn't have another reusable bag to cover my bottom. And you don't want to, you know, get arrested for indecent exposure as you're exhausted and mentally processing a birth and running around naked in your neighborhood. Yeah, sorry, officer, but let me explain to you what I just did. Let me show you the clothing that I had to get out of. Yeah, that's like pretty disgusting. I, so like clothing and hair whatever stuff just gets on you at births. And one birth in particular that I did when I was a doula in the hospital, this mom was in transition and one of her like big symptoms in transition was throwing up. So poor mom was just so like, just so nauseous, throwing up everything. We had like worked really hard to get in her system, right? And so the thing was, we wanted her to barf into something, right? A bowl, like one of those little bags that they hand out in the hospital because they kind of anticipate something like that happening but she did not want to so we would put something near her we were trying all the things to like calm it but all she wanted to do was barf like on her on the bed or on her lap or you know what just because she just didn't want anything near her so we would offer something and she literally would just barf right next to it and it literally felt like a toddler situation where I was like, I don't know what else to do. And her husband was like, I don't know. Like, he just kind of gave the job to me because he was like, this is getting really disgusting. And so, right, we have to like change the sheets. And eventually I was like, this is pointless because we're just literally going around in circles. So I got her into the shower because I'm like, barf all you want in the shower. This is going to be great. So she's in the shower for a while. It's probably been about 25 minutes of no barf. And she's starting to feel pressure and stuff. So I was like, great. I think we might have like turned the corner. We're going to go back into 
into bed. You know, the staff was like wanting to, I don't know, check her baby's heart rate or something at that point. Anyway, so I get her out of the shower, dry her off a little bit. I turn around to start walking into like the labor room. She grabs a hold of my shoulders from behind and has a contraction that's so strong that it makes her barf. And she's barfing next to me, right on the ground. So it's like it's splattering a bit. And I'm like, this is really gross. But like, I think there's a baby coming so we can just get to the other side of this. And then she's like, okay, right. She wipes her mouth and we're walking. And she, what I thought sounded like a dry heave as she's right behind me. And it ends up that she has a little more barf to come out that's all over my back and in my hair. And we're, I'm like, I'm not at somebody's house where I can just like quickly go put my hair in the whatever. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is so gross. I did have a change of shirt, like a shirt that I could change into. Because it's not like fl- amniotic fluid. Barf smell, like it's disgust. It's gross. It's really gross. But it's sitting in my hair and I have no idea what to do. And I'm like, I can't touch my hair. Like, that's gross. Yet it's just chunky stuff is in my hair. It's really disgusting. Could not, could not get that right until I got home. And that was, that was like a couple hours, you know, like a few hours later once I finally was home. And I remember my husband being like, how, you know, how was it? And I was like, I have no words. Get me in the shower. So did she, she, did she realize, she realized she barfed in her hair? After the fact, she was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm so sorry. I'm, I knew what I was doing was wrong. Like she recognized the error in her not wanting to barf inside of anything wave. But it was, I, for, I, this is the birth that I was talking about at the beginning that I kind of forgot about and was like, oh yeah, that was, that was really disgusting. I don't know if you ever told yeah, that story before. It was good. I'm glad that I could bring that one out of the archives. Oh my gosh. Hello, Kelly. <laughs> oh my heaven. I'm okay. Glad. I'm going to pull myself together. Lead us, lead, give us like one, one uh, good one to go out on. One good one to go out on? Yeah. Okay, this is probably my favorite. <laughs> this is one of my favorite stories. And it's not gross, but the nature of it <laughs> is like unimaginable (laughs) and that was a first-time mom who was progressing really quickly until the very end and then she was pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and we'd done a couple vaginal exams and she was always making a little bit of progress but like we couldn't we could we felt like it was normal for what we would expect for her but because the first part of her labor went so quickly we were like something's this is really interesting so we're doing all this stuff to just try to help her like move forward have endurance get just just get into safe places where she feels like she can you know allow labor to continue to unfold and everything and so one of those places was the toilet which is where we put people all the time it's a great place to live and we had her husband in there and he was great and we were like you guys probably just need some privacy so we closed the door and maybe they had some candles going in there and some music or whatever and we would come in periodically to listen and they were doing really great in there and she felt calm so i'm like i don't know if we're actually moving the baby down or not but she felt she's feeling calm so this is a good place for her then she says Oh, I'm starting to feel a whole lot more pressure. And so I'm like, oh, fantastic. And she's like, can you look, please? And, you know, women are always asking us, like, do you see what I'm feeling? Please validate what's happening. 
And so she stood up from the toilet and leaned over and I saw nothing. There is nothing going on there that I was like, oh, your baby's right there. No wonder you feel so much more pressure. And so I said, why don't you do like a couple pushes while I'm in here? And so we go on, you know, with this saga of like, gosh, I wonder what is taking this baby so long. And in between one of those pushes, she sits down on the toilet. And I can't remember exactly how the whole thing unfolds, but I am sitting right there. And this is after hours and hours of pushing. And this is a first time mom. So we should see about, I don't know, 30 to 45 minutes of the labia opening and part of the head coming into view. And that's what I'm expecting to see next. But instead, she gives a huge grunt. And then there's a splash in the toilet. And she says the baby's out. And I tell her, stand up. And then I take the baby out of the toilet. That's crazy. That's that's insane. It's like a story from like, I didn't know I was pregnant or like a sitcom or something. Like that doesn't, it does not happen. If someone told me that story, I'd be like, oh, you got some of those pieces a little bit wrong and mixed up. That's interesting. Too bad you didn't have a care provider who was more attentive or knew how labor progressed or, right? could read the sign yeah so the only reason i believe this story is true is because i experienced <laughs> it and thankfully the baby was fine there's so many you know things you can imagine that you would be worried about with a baby born into the toilet at rapid fire but yeah that we call that toilet baby that is that is our one practice toilet baby so i wasn't at this birth we had come from a different, or like we had finished up a different birth before, and then I was off call. So previously, we had another midwife in our practice who was there with you, but I texted you guys to be like, hey, like what's going on? And your response, you know, later was toilet baby. That was it. And I was like, what am I supposed to do with that information? Toilet, toilet baby. Toilet baby. Because that's a, that's a concern that people have. Oh my gosh, why would you let people labor over the toilet? They could have their baby in there. And I'm like, yeah. trust me. No one is going to accidentally have their baby in a toilet. Nobody will actually actually poop an entire poo and no one will have their baby (laughs) over a toilet. We have learned there are sometimes outliers. There are many times there will be outliers. She she loves that story, though. She could have been horrified by that. It could have been, especially for a first time mom. But do you remember the gifts that she gave us afterwards? Yes, we got a gift bag with many little goodies and treats in it and a roll of toilet paper. And she's like, just to like, remember our toilet baby. Yeah, she (laughs) really embraced the story. That is great. It was absolutely insane. It was so crazy. I just appreciate the visual of you going to collect a baby from the toilet and hand it up to her. Immediately, I thought, I'm in trouble. Like, (laughs) I'm going to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. This is what we this is what we're not supposed to do. We're not supposed to let this happen. And here we did. And everything was okay. And apparently they loved it. It's all it is all absolutely. I mean, I was like looking at that baby's pupils. (laughs) Are you following me Are here? You, yeah. you were born in a toilet, honey. Are you okay? And not just like lovingly scooped down into like if an entire baby comes out so quickly, that's a quick birth. 
entrance into the toilet. Yeah. And quick entrance out. I would just like to say. Yes. Quick great entrance out. Great job. Toilet. I had zero doubt that there was any clinical issue. I was like, what the heck is that outlier situation happening there? Oh, my word. Okay. So that rounds out our messy midwife birth show and tell. Uh, that was fun. I was good. Yeah. I need to tell more stories like that. Hopefully did. that didn't absolutely disgust our entire <laughs> audience. But I, if I was over here crying all of my mascara off my face, I know that somebody else is laughing at some of those stories, which are just entertainment. 100%. In and of itself. So you guys, we are signing off for the year. Whole year. 2022. Goodbye. It's 2023. 2023. Also, goodbye. <laughs> for a second, I was like, is it? I don't know. It is. It's I 2023. Don't, I don't know what day it is, what year it is. I'm really embracing fall winter rhythms. Winter rhythms of burning the calendar. Okay. Yep. We have produced 55 episodes, 55 weekly episodes in a row this season. We So we're going to take a break. That is crazy. It's a lot of episodes we have done. And we had a really great time. So we'll be back in January with some more great content. We want you ladies to enjoy your holiday season. Go catch up on some old episodes. You can also find a link in our show notes for our Crunchy Lady Gift Guide. We did this last year, and so now we have an updated version. If you need ideas for, for gifts for yourself, that's mostly what I'm going to do is buy stuff for myself. Or if you have a crunchy lady in your life that you want just a very thoughtful and health conscious gift, we have curated an entire list of excellent choices to choose from. And it's inside of the show notes. Yeah, shoot it. But shoot the link like in your family text thread when they're talking about gifts and stuff and just like put a little winky emoji face and let people buy you something crunchy this year what i always say yeah it's good fodder for conversation both in 2022 and 2023 and potentially in 2024 as well I would why would we put a limit on what, what the year you could enjoy this exactly all right you guys we'll see you in january bye ladies bye